Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast. It's your favorite data nerds back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. My name is Jordan Levine, Deputy Chief Economist at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined by our Senior Economist and Director of Research, Oscar Way. Oscar, say hi to all your adoring fans. Hey, how are you, everyone? So today we're going to talk about two things. One, we want to give you a quick rundown of the July housing market numbers, which we just released uh, this week. This is August 21st that we're recording this. And then we want to talk a little bit about the potential for an upcoming recession, where we're at, what the indicators are one way or the other, and try and make some sense out of the the chaotic news that we're hearing. So before we get into that, let's at least touch on what happened in the housing market, because we had actually some good news for a change, right? Yes, we do. We do. I mean, first half of the year was, you know, maybe not as great, but we kicked it off, you know, with a pretty solid uh, sales increase in the second half, at least, you know, it's an increase. An increase, yeah, yes, exactly. We haven't seen it, you know, for what, 15, uh, 15 months or so? Been over a year. And it's actually the highest. I'm not completely surprised, you know, look at, you know, mortgage rates. Right. I know you and I both probably know people who have refinanced, you know, in the last, you know, few weeks or so. Yep. Um, I have referred people to, and, you know, because you know, it's at, what, 3.6, 3.7 right now. So uh, I was, we were waiting. We have been waiting. Okay, well, the sales should kick in. Right. And it did kick in a little bit. With Finally. It. Yeah, and, and it's up only about 1.1%, but hey, we'll take it. Hey, any increase is great news at this point, given all the challenges out there. And I do think you're right that rates have given the market a bit of a kick in the pants, not quite as much as, as what we were hoping for. You know, usually if you go from kind of 4.6, right. where we were this time last year, basically, down to 3.6, you'd expect a 100 basis point um, <laughs> reduction to really spur a little bit more growth in the housing market. But I do think it kind of is a good news but does underscore just how challenging the environment is that even with that 100 basis point reduction we're still only eking out about a 1.1 percent increase and right. so still lots of lots of headwinds out there there's there's definitely lots of headwinds i mean we we i know we don't want to emphasize too much on pending sales but i know we notice that there is a little bit of increase in pending sales as well so it may just be it may not be just july it may actually extend to august yeah but again we won't we don't want to emphasize too much on pending sales because because we know paying sales may or may not pan out. Right, but it is at least some positive news that they're kind of uh, in positive territory for the last three or four months. So. Right, but at the same time, you know, of course, we worried about housing affordability too because home prices continue to rise. I mean, it, it's not record setting for this month, but it's still above 600,000. Right. And it's for the fourth consecutive month of 600,000. It doesn't look like it's gonna let up though for the rest of the year. We probably will continue to see some inch up. Yep. Um, not going to be four, five, six percent, but you know, two, three percent. Yeah, probably won't come roaring back, and we'll probably still end the year probably negative overall once you bake together the kind of first six months of the year with the second half of the year. But again, um, the pace of decline slowed dramatically, and and now we're finally in positive territory. And and again, we'll take whatever good news we can get this time. Right now, and um, we also uh, look at um, inventory. Right. Uh, inventory was 
uh, maybe not completely surprised, but um, you know we have been seeing some inventory increase in the last what uh, fifteen months or so. Right. We finally see finally see a decline. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, I'm I'm torn because again the <laughs> the supply issue and the lack of supply has really underlined underscored how challenging it's been the course of this last expansion that started really back in two thousand and nine. But at the same time, I think the fact that that the growth in active listings is slowed and actually listings are back down again does kind of give me some hope or some optimism that, you know, what we're seeing isn't a full scale exodus from the market. You don't just have more and more and more folks dumping their homes on the market, leaving California, just getting out of home ownership in anticipation of a bubble or something like that. And so although, you know, we desperately need uh, more supply, I think. From a, a kind of bellwether standpoint, it's it's encouraging to see that it's not just this kind of never-ending uh, uptick in supply as people jump out of the market. And, and one thing to point out, probably to point out, of course, we look at the overall, but if you break it down by different price points, right. we know at the low end, it's still very, very tight. Very tight. Probably still uh, a constraint, right. um, maybe even a decline. But on the higher end, we see some slowdown in sales as well. So I anticipate you know, there might be a little bit more uh, inventory in the upper end. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's one change from last year. You know, If you look at sales at the top end, they're falling. Active listings at the very top end are, are rising. And so that does seem to be a little bit more indicative of a slowdown, at least at the top end of the market, which last year was doing uh, pretty well. Right. Now, I, I, I briefly mentioned about mortgage rates. I said, you know, it has gone down right. uh, quite significantly uh, compared to what in November of last year, it dropped from like 5% at yeah. the 30 year to what, 3.6 now. Right. I and mean, I'm honestly surprised. You know, <laughs> I did I did think that the days of 3.5% rates were behind us and well and truly in the rear view mirror. But, uh, you know, the fact that the Fed cut rates and I think the fact that the rest of the world economy is, is in a bit of a shambles at this moment has actually um, helped us to get within striking distance of that right. like all-time low of 3.5%. And, and it's hard, you know, of course, it's hard for us to say because we looked at the forecast last year I'm glad that Leslie's not in the room. Yeah, she's going to yell at us as saying, "Well, what, what's going on? You guys said you know this year is going to be a higher interest rates, but hey, it's it's good." And and let me ask you, um, you know, the rate that we're going right now, do you think it's uh, we're going to see some more decline? Is the Fed going to be, be cutting rate? I know it depends on a lot of factors. A lot of question marks, but I do think that the Fed will be motivated, especially if they're um, you know on Twitter. <laughs> because there's uh, you know a lot of a lot of concern about keeping this economy moving forward, which is why we're going to talk about the recession stuff in a minute. But I do think that we can expect at least one more uh, rate cut this year, probably, and and we might even see mortgage rates drop a little bit lower than they currently are. We may f- actually find some uh, indication later today, right? Because they are releasing the Fed funds Fed uh, minutes. minutes. Yep. Today, so we can get kind of a little bit more sense. We know they cut the rate, but to have a little bit more insight into the thinking that went into that decision. Right, and I think one of the reasons why we're concerned, and a lot of people are concerned, is because you know, take a look at the stock market. We have some, we have some, some volatility lately. It's been a, a, a pretty wild ride. Um, I think that they've started to creep back as of the time right, that we're right. we're recording this, but. Uh, the markets have just been all over the map. We had a couple days there where we dropped like 800 points or so in one day. Um, you know, and, and I think that that has, 
uh, caused a lot of concerns as well, right? And if you just take a, a step back and look at fundamentals, I think that there is reason to be concerned about the value of stocks and things like that right. moving forward. That's potentially one of the, the biggest concerns that I have. And I know it's not the largest, largest decline that we have seen in terms of points, but 800 is 800. You said it earlier, we have climbed back up a little bit. There are reasons why it dropped 800 points. So, And uh, one of the uh, interesting, and I... I didn't think that, you know, other than economists, people would talk about yield curve right. inversion. But in the last few days or last week or so, people were talking about yield curve inversion. Yeah, definitely. And that kind of brings us to the question of whether we're, we're kind of poised for a recession. There's a lot of news out there where the headlines are suggesting that a, a recession is kind of imminent. And, and I think that's the first piece of evidence that they point to, right? The yield curve um, inversion is something that historically has preceded almost every single recession that we've had going back at least 50 or 60 years right. or so. So um, in terms of you know batting average, the yield curve is batting 1,000 more or less in terms of predicting a recession. But maybe you could just talk to our members a little bit about what the yield curve is and, and why this matters and why people look at it. Sure, I mean, let's put things into perspective. I know we're talking about people and housing market. So let's take a look at it. Imagine, you know, 30-year fixed rate is usually at a higher rate when you, you know, when, when lenders charge a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. It's usually a little higher than a 15 years, right? Or yeah. 10 years. And that's a function of risk, right? If I'm gonna give you some money and you're gonna pay me back right. tomorrow, I'm not taking as big of a chance as if I give you some money and and ask you for the money back 30 years down the road. A lot can happen. You can lose your job. You can get hit by a bus. Exactly. You can, you know, anything can happen. And so they're charging for that extra risk of letting you hold on to their money longer. Typically, you see what they call longer term rates, the long end of the yield curve, 30 years, 10 years, much higher than short term rates because of that risk. Exactly. And so, you know, if what, if, what happened if Actually, 15 years rate is higher than 30 years. That shows you what the situation is currently we are experiencing right now. The yield curve inversion is basically the 10-year bond yield is actually at a lower rate than a two-year. Right. So people are actually um, investing in uh, short. Uh, they're actually putting money. The way that that works is they're actually um, a lot of money in the stock market. They're concerned about the stock market, concerned about the economy. So people are actually putting money in the 10-year bond, putting down the um, the price of the bond yeah. at the same time, uh, putting down uh, the, the price of the bond and uh, um, the rate. increasing the, yeah. the rate of the bond, uh, the price of the bond, and then lowering the rate. Right. So that's why the short-term rate is a little bit more, the short-term bond yields is actually a little higher now. So they're concerned about what's going to happen in, let's say, you know, a little bit longer term because they're concerned. Yeah. Um, so that's why you know you see a yield curve inversion. Yeah. Now, what happened in um, uh, a week ago? Think uh, yield curve inversion happened, and in, in, in fact, only happened for just a few minutes. Couple hours. Yeah. Or a couple hours. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, it actually came back up. Ten-year and a two-year bond yield. Actually, there is a, um, a difference of a point one. Ten years is actually a little bit higher than uh, two years at that point. Right. And then for the next few days, it's actually continued to stay up. So the yield curve inversion actually only happened for just for a tiny period a of time. Hours. Yeah. But, but it is indicative of kind of the fact that investors think there's a little bit more short-term risk in the economy, even though they do expect us to kind of bounce back over the medium and long term. 
And, you know, the reason why that's important isn't because the kind of yield curve causes a recession, right? right? It's not that the yield curve inverts and that creates all kinds of havoc in the economy. It does create some havoc in the bond markets. Who's going to loan money, um, you know, for 10 years or borrow, you know what I mean, if you can loan the the money to the U.S. government for two years and make even more returns. Right. But that's not the biggest effect. I think it's it's more just a signal that there's this this kind of uncertainty and short-term risk that, that we have out there, and, and that's why it's done such a good job. Not because it creates recessions, but when there's a lot of short-term risk that investors are pricing in, um, it's because of concerns that they have about the future trajectory of, of GDP. Right now, I want to you know put in a, a couple notes. The, the inversions, whether it be this time we focus on a 10-year and two years, but we have talked about yield curve inversions for quite some time. Right. And the reasons why it, this time it actually uh, triggered a lot of attention is because I honestly think it is the algorithm sure. in, in the stock market. People look at it, oh, if the 10-year t- uh, to two-year inversion actually happened, then it starts selling off. Right. But we already know what's going on in the next, uh, we're, we already know that there are risks. And, and let's talk about some of the risks. Now, the U-curve inversion itself, as you said, is not the, the it's important as a signal. Right. But there are actually some uh, signs that we have already seen. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, we, we try and, and take a data-driven approach to these questions. But I think that, you know, there's a lot of unscientific analysis being done out there. The fact that we're 10 years into the expansion, um, you know, that's one of the longest expansions in history. And so if people just are naturally led to the conclusion then right. that the economy should be poised for um, another downturn. The thing that I, I like to point out there, though, is that, you know, there's no time limit for economic <laughs> expansions. They don't just end for no reason. You know, you have recessions because of um, imbalances or loss of confidence or um, a correction in one market or another, such as the housing market, such as the stock market, such as with consumers. And so, um, you know, even though it's tempting to look at the length of the expansion and expect that uh, we're basically at the the tail end just by, by historical precedent, um, you know, there, there is no real time limit. There has to be kind of underlying factors that cause a downturn. Now, and, and that's very, very good. And, and, and of course, I think we um, recently we talked a lot about, you know, the uh, trade conflict. Right. And that's a big issue. I mean, we have talked a lot for the last two years. Sure. But, um, you know, something triggered, you know, recently, the uh, first of all, the September 1st deadline. Right. That, that uh, supposedly... The uh, trade tariff is supposed to be implemented on all all the what, remaining imports. Billion yeah, Chinese three hundred billion on on August, on September first. But I mean, of course, in the last few weeks or so, that that deadline has been extended at right. least to some products. Yeah, but it triggered a lot of people to think that you know uh, something is going to happen, especially when the Chinese actually retaliated by devaluating. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say de- uh, retaliate, but by devaluing. The, uh, their currency. Yeah, I would call it. Re- I feel comfortable <laughs> calling it a retaliation. Um, you know, that's that's the difficult thing with trade wars. You know, is that uh, they're two sided, right? And so, whatever moves we make, there's always counter punches 
coming back across from the other side and and that inflicts pain on on both sides you know and and unfortunately this is something a little bit more material to economic growth in terms of how much we export how much we import right. than something like you know the expansion's been going on for 10 years it has to end so this is more kind of hard hitting in terms of um, having real implications for overall economic growth because china is a, a big export well, market for us well, you know well, and sure. so um, as much as reducing imports kind of helps our trade balance in in isolation right we have to keep in mind that that imports are only one half of the trade story and we also have a lot of outbound trade going uh, across the ocean as well so that's another potential red flag and and it doesn't seem like there's you know uh an end in sight or a, a, a resolution looming to this. I think that, you know, the reports are on the Chinese side that they're kind of entering a wait and see mode. And, and, and so my hopes and optimism about having this resolved over the short run is, you know, isn't super high, but definitely the trade tensions escalating, I think is, is another um, potential red flag, but perhaps even more important for me is on the, on the business investment side. That's right. And, and that's bad, not just because less business investment means less economic growth, obviously, if we're not out there buying equipment, plants, and building new, you know, commercial structures and things like that. Um, that has an immediate impact, obviously, of lowering economic growth. But for me, the, the more concerning thing is that that's a signal um, of where businesses think things are headed, right? Because if you are very confident that your sales are going to grow and that your demand is going to be much higher next year, you're much less hesitant about making these fixed investments. Uh, the fact that they're holding off on making these investments, I think, does signal, you know, A, that there's going to be slower growth coming down the pike over the next couple of quarters, and B, that they're worried about growth even beyond that. Absolutely. I mean, we know we 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 re saw the release from the Q2 number, the uh, GDP Q2 right. number. Yeah. The consumer spending was pretty decent, 4.3% increase, but the business investment actually showed a decline. Right. And and we've talked about this and we talked about the stock market. I think the stock market index is usually an indication of how consumer feels about, you know, the economy. Yep. But then there's also an index that we don't usually look at. It's not the stock market. But the, the business leading indicator, business leading index, it shows that you know recently, yeah, uh, based on um, the uh, uh, right after the trade war was announced, right, late, you know, later la late last year or so, we started seeing some decline. But also remember what happened with the government shutdown. Yeah, um, the government shutdown also led to a little bit of a de decline in uh, government uh, the business index. Yeah. So it's not a surprise in the second quarter that we saw a decline in business investment. Um, I would assume that the third quarter is going to show some in a decline as well. Yeah. It's not indicated in you know stock market or anything else, but definitely is a concern. Um, and um, that's why I think you know based on some of the uh, the, the projections. And we projected that right. this year's is going to be a little bit slower compared to last year's growth rate. Absolutely, I'm not going to uh, review what we're going to, what we think the growth rate is going to be in, in 2020. That will come up, you know, a little later in a few weeks. Yeah, definitely. So stay tuned for that. But I think you know, just taking a step back, you never want all your eggs in one basket. You mentioned the consumer spending uh -huh. actually boosted us pretty well during the second quarter, but you know, it is it is worrisome that. 
that again, we have all of our eggs in that one consumer spending basket. They're really driving the show right now. And to the extent that consumers take a step back, we really don't have anything else to fall back on like business investment or or even residential investment. We saw that housing starts and building permits tanked again um, right. you know, in, in July. And so, um, you know, we, we don't have any help on the new construction front either. And so, you know, from that standpoint, the, the other piece or red flag that I'm potentially worried about is on the uh, consumer debt side. Because again, consumers are driving the show. Now, if you take a step back and look at overall consumer debt, it's fairly um, low and manageable. Part of that's because the cost of that debt is so much cheaper now with rates having gone down. Um, But if you actually split apart consumer debt into mortgage debt and everything else, what you can see is that that everything else category, which includes you know, cars and student loans and credit cards, those are basically back to pre-recession levels, right? The reason why overall debt looks as healthy as it does is because so many people haven't jumped back into the housing market. Home ownership, at least in California, is still on a decline. And so, you know, to the extent that consumers become overburdened with these credit cards, student loans, and auto loans in particular, um, I worry that they they aren't going to have the ability or the wherewithal to continue um, propelling the economy forward. And and it's definitely a red flag because, okay, even though right now, of course, the labor market and the employment is pretty good, it only t- take, you know, a little bit of a trigger. You know, it, right. it started seeing a little bit of an uptake in employment, then I'm sure consumer debt will continue to rise a little bit, especially now. I think it's very attractive. You and I both know, you know, with low interest rates, people yep. are very tempted to, you know, borrow, borrow money. money. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I said earlier about refinancing. You know, I'm pretty sure we have to look at some numbers that, you know, uh, for people who are refinancing right now, there might be a little bit of uh, cash out. Yeah, that's right? always the, the concern. You know, I, I drove in from San Luis Obispo County yesterday morning and i saw a lot of new boats and rvs uh, (laughs) out on the road a little bit uh, reminiscent of kind of 2006 but you know it hasn't been to that that degree but you know consumer debt is a concern when uh consumers have been the only thing really driving economic growth forward the other thing i think that's you know kind of counterintuitive but i wanted to bring up as a potential red flag is the fact that the fed is lowering rates and that's counterintuitive obviously because in our industry lower rates are a good thing, right? We want low rates because that boosts affordability, increases, you know, purchasing power for our home buyers out there. But I do think that it is uh, indicative of some uncertainty or questions on the Fed side, right? Yes, lower rates, everything else equal is a good thing, but not if it suggests that the Fed has lost confidence in the economy, right? And so these guys are are ones who are, are looking at the numbers all the time and the fact that they see the economy losing steam and think they need to lower rates to get things jump-started again is kind of suggestive of some of these bigger weaknesses that we mentioned up to now. And I'm also concerned because you you, you pointed in the right you know, directions. Um, but I want to reiterate a little bit about what happened, you know, with uh, with trade, with yeah. trade conflict. We have already, because of trade tariff, um, we are first seeing only, you know, a glimpse of it, but we're seeing a little bit of a signs of an increase in the CPI, the consumer yep. inflation. It, it moved from 2.1 to 2.2 in the recent month. Yep. Now, of course, one month doesn't make a trend, sure. but if it continued to move up, we can't continue to lower rate. Right. 
So we might have to rely on fiscal policy. Exactly. And then we'll be in a, a bit of a rock and a hard place because, you know, we're already kind of up against it from a from a debt standpoint. And so a um, couple other things just to mention quick is, you know, I do think that the stock market is a little bit overvalued. When you look at corporate profits, um, they're not growing as healthily mm-hmm. as we like, I think, to put it generously. And, and so the market caps that we're seeing out there aren't really being backed up by earnings right now. And that's a potential um, issue that could unwind at some point and so you know there there are a a decent amount of red flags even when you kind of get rid of the non-scientific stuff and just drill specifically down on the data there you know aren't any signs of an imminent downturn on the horizon but there are um, you know mounting evidence that that we're in for a bit of a slower slog i yeah i think so and and you know especially now that we are coming into um, in 2020, it's going to be an ex- election year. Yeah. You pointed out earlier the Chinese is are they're going to uh, use a tra- uh, wait and see strategy. Right. Because well, let's let's face it, they don't know who's going to be the president after 2020. Sure. So they may not want to negotiate with the current administrations, so they may drag it out. Who knows? If that got dragged out, I think there is a good chance that we might have see, uh, see a slowdown. Yeah. even further. No, I'm with you. So, you know, that's kind of the the red flags or the bad news. I do think that there's still room for optimism out there. And I think that, you know, when you look at the core indicators, we're still in pretty good shape, both nationwide and here in California. I mean, we just had good labor market numbers. Of course, you mentioned GDP is growing, but um, talk just a minute about the, the kind of fundamentals in terms of um, jobs and unemployment and the fact that consumers do still seem to be at least spending money for the time being. Yeah, I mean, we're still seeing job growth in California. Um, we're seeing in last month, 19, close to 20,000 new jobs in yeah. California. That's pretty impressive, uh, extending a winning streak to 113 months. 113, 113 months straight months. of job yeah. growth. It's pretty unbelievable. Yes, it is. I mean, that's the longest expansion since 1960. So, you know, as far as labor market is concerned, we're still low. We're still uh, at an employment rate of 4.1%. Yeah. I mean, it's going to fluctuate, you know, 4.2, 4.1%. Uh, but it's still at a that's very very good level. Yeah. Now, as far as the um, the consumer spending is concerned, the latest retail sales figure, uh, we're still seeing a biggest increase in the last four months. Right. So that's impressive. Uh, of course, I mentioned we mentioned about consumer spending not being the it's being you know one of the uh, the, the the fuel of the engine yeah, for uh, for the, the overall economy and also national. But of course, we're not seeing the investment side of it. Hopefully, that consumer spending will continue to help, yeah. uh, and that will actually at least help this year to kind of you know uh, continue to grow at a decent level. Yeah, exactly. We're we're at risk if consumers decide to to shift gears, but so far uh, it looks like they're hanging in there and continuing to be that source of, of, of strength. Right, and we I think we started seeing last month a little bit of an increase in housing starts and housing permits. Yeah, which is a good sign, but I, of course again. We need to find out whether that is going to continue or not. Yeah. Uh, we still have four or five months to go uh, for the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, so there are some good signs. Some good signs, and the underlying foundation that we're on is relatively solid now. But I think, again, there are um, mounting red flags that, you know, mm-hmm. nothing we should, should panic about. But I think that um, I'm feeling pretty comfortable with uh, uh, forecasts of slower growth moving forward. Yeah, and, and housing market just based on our uh, listing price and also our pending sales we seem to we may we probably will have um, an, uh, at least a couple months of 
pretty good um, movement. Yeah, upward movement. No, yeah, and and I think that uh, I I also feel confident in our our less pessimistic forecast for the market here in California this year. So. <laughs> now let me let me I know we're trying to wrap up and well, let me reiterate we do have a. Um, an annual conference coming up That's in right. six weeks or so at the end of September. It's going to be in L.A. this year. Downtown L.A. We're going to be, where are we going to be? Over at the con- convention, convention center. center. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have a lot of stuff. We both are going to be involved. We'll tell you a little bit more detail next time. Yeah. Um, but we have a lot of things going on. So definitely come by, you know, downtown L.A. And we'll share, you know, some of the, our great insights and um yeah check out the website there's a lot of great speakers queued up both from car and just throughout the industry and even beyond um, i'm sure you can find something that you'd really enjoy and we'd love to to see out there definitely so we'll give you a little bit more detail next time but until then we will see you on the next one all right have a good one bye